Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Jonathan. And this is Tim. Welcome, guys. Two weeks in a row with the whole gang. Yeah, it's crowded in here. It's all asses and elbows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is, a, this is a Hallmark episode for us. There is no Blackest Night update this week. Jonathan gets his wish but you know what there's no siege update either there really isn't and that that kind of surprised me this week this that that would have seemed like a uh, nice opportunity for Marvel to fill the gap in fact the 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 new issues this week were rather light yeah it's kind of funny because you know like when a guy breaks up with his girlfriend and she comes to you complaining you just jump right on it But when Blackest Night broke up with comic listeners, you think Siege would be there taking advantage of their sensitive situation the next week. Apparently not. Well, and it it does kind of surprise me that uh, DC didn't put Brightest Day this week. And I I wonder if if they were kind of weighing, you know, do we want to give an opportunity for for the buzz around Blackest Night number eight to to really mature before bringing out Brightest Day? But I would think that you'd want to just bam – Hit that next following week. Make people forget Blackest Night as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it just surprises me that there that there was such a a big gap in books this week. Yeah, I'm. But you know what? It gave me more time for other things. Same here. Same here. I I picked up some stuff I would not normally have picked up this week. Yeah. Well, I'm not even talking about comic books. No, I was talking about. Uh, Aaron was talking about cocaine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Did a couple yeah. of lines, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have something to say because I have a follow-up to one of our previous conversations. Uh-oh. Yeah, a little bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. I saw my first for reals midget porn this week. Sweet, awesome. You know, like <laughs> everyone's seen, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, midget porn, haha, <laughs> great. But I saw one, and it ass raped my eye. <laughs> <laughs> It was so horrible to me. Now, was it was it a? I, I I feel like I, I have to ask for the benefit of our listeners. Was it a full midget cast, or was there just like you know a, a, a small person in the porn amongst uh, other people? Yeah, I mean that's what it was. It was a regular human sized porn. Okay. Human sized. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am sure that is somehow insensitive. <laughs> I, I don't know how, but it probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then this this normal sized girl shows up w- with her midget boyfriend, and he's like super midget because he's all muscular. Uh-huh. He's like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, but you know, short. Uh huh. He's like and, Puck from Alpha Flight. <laughs> yes, there was Puck. Now we know what Puck has been doing. Um, and 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 they 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 had their their weird midget sex. Okay, so describe his penis, Paul. Human size. Was it? Was it? Was it? You know, like a baby's arm. I mean, was it? <laughs> it, it was like a, a regular penis. You know? It was like muscles, you know, regular these... penis, like short legs, and you know the massive midget head. And so your uh, your description amuses me. It was a normal penis. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask if that was the only fetish access, you know, part of it, or was there something else going on too? No, I mean, that was it. It, 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 That's what it was. You know, the wife was out of town this week. (laughs) Instead of internet porn, I had pay-per-view porn. Um, 
you know, so you know, they had like this two for one Shane's World special. And you know, so you're fast forwarding to find a good scene. And I, I just I stopped when I, I was like, Oh my god, that dude is not as tall as that woman. So, you know <laughs> just just to clarify, Paul's fast forwarding, you know, to get to to a good scene. No pants. <laughs> <laughs> remote in his left hand, something else in his right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and the good scene he finds is the midget to... scene. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look, it's normal sized. <laughs> it's a it's a human penis. Yeah. Normally, oh, somebody midget. would get busty babe six, but Paul gets tripod Johnson in the back of the <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. You know yeah. I, what, what I think is great, Paul is that you have really classed up the show. <laughs> you know, I, I am class with a capital S. I, I feel like I'm going to be blamed for this in some way, and it's just not fair. <laughs> it's going to be on your review. If anyone can save us from midgets, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not the way the world ends. No, apparently it's not. Six times over, this is not yeah. the way the world ends. I really dug this book. Really? Yeah, I did. I liked it a lot. It, number one, it was beautiful. I thought the art was was just amazing in this book, and uh, I rather liked the story. I, 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 it seems that you did not care for this, Paul. I didn't. I didn't hate it. Um, I, I thought it was a little disjointed. Uh, it didn't flow as well as I was hoping, as you know, as I would have liked. Um, but you know, the art was fantastic. I, I think I do think think the art was great. Um. Just the story didn't overly connect with me, and I think maybe it's because everyone all week has been telling me that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and, and I was like, no, it's just okay. I I I really enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of, it's very much has that feel that uh, Jeff Parker has struck in Agents of Atlas. You know, that you've kind of got this this otherworldly behind the scenes secret organization, you know, and there's there's this, you know, real deep thread of, of history going back hundreds, if not thousands of years. Uh, really dug that. I, I there's that Illuminati sort of uh when I want to say Illuminati, I'm talking about secret organization, not Reed Richards and the Submariner and all of them. But uh you know, you really kinda of have that feel of big mysteries and, and you know, history kept from uh from people I, I i really did dig this book i didn't like it what didn't you like about it uh it's not uh what i was expecting nor what i wanted <laughs> well what were you expecting <laughs> when i think of the history of shield mm -hmm. i don't want the secret organization there's so much of that already like shield's supposed to be the big government agency thing like so i was looking more for that through the years well, you know the, the the current thread that they're taking on Shield, like like over in um, was it the Secret Warriors book, is that you know Shield has actually been under the influence of Hydra from all along, right, Paul? Yes. And so, so and so I'm kind of curious to see how how this ancient history of of Shield or of the the you know kind of the the founding of Shield as a uh, secret organization ties into the Hydra piece of it. Yeah. I mean, I I'm very curious because, you know, Jonathan Hickman is very big on the connected universe thing. Right. So I, I definitely think we're going to see callbacks to what's going on in secret warriors right now. Um, and I, I love Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I think this book will ultimately be good. I just, the first issue wasn't great. 
to me, as great as everyone said it was. Um, And to be honest with you, I'm surprised you like it because it felt very Grant Morrison-esque to me. It didn't feel Grant Morrison at all to me. Uh, It felt very Grant Morrison to me. No, no. No, I think it it would have been much more Grant Morrison if uh, when there's the brood invasion, instead of fighting them, it's just a big brood orgy. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been, I think, where he would have went with the with the story. You think so? I, yeah. Does one of the characters look like a giant chicken? That would have been Grant Morrison, giant chicken. Well, yeah. and and one of the things that I, that I rather enjoyed about it is the depiction of Leonardo da Vinci as sort of the Reed Richards of his time, and I kind of got a kick out of that. Um, I, I it does. This book is a nice companion book, I think, to Fantastic Four. If you enjoy that sort of, uh, you know, pioneer, explorer, you know, age of wonder kind of story, uh, this first issue of S.H.I.E.L.D. really has that same kind of feel to it. And I dug it. I dug it. So now I do have a question. Is this a limited series? Yeah, I think it's six issues. Because it doesn't say that on the cover. Oh, well, you're right. That, that it was doesn't. my question. I'm pretty sure it's six issues. Okay. But yeah, I, I rather I rather dug it. And you know, when I opened up the book, I you know I really don't read a whole bunch of uh, preview stuff because I like to be surprised when I'm reading. And so when I saw Chapter One, the Unholy Resurrection of Leonardo da Vinci, I was going, hmm, I don't know what I'm going to think about that. But I, it actually worked for me. I dug this, and and I am so on for number two. You know that description was one of the reasons I didn't pick up the book. Really, I'm I'm looking through it, and it wasn't at all what I was expecting the book to be. And then I read the uh, the Unholy Resurrection of Leonardo da Vinci, and it's like. Uh, this this isn't current. This is yeah no, and put it back on the shelf. <laughs> well, and and you know the the interior artwork uh, is it. The book says that it's written and illustrated by Jonathan Hickman and Dustin Weaver. Does that mean that Jonathan Hickman uh, was also assisting in the artwork? Well, the the back Jonathan Hickman is big on um like the the computer stuff, like the layout right. stuff, and the so right. I, I, the all, all that stuff in the back about the human machine. That was him. That was Jonathan Hick. Okay, so, um, but I don't the, think the art. I, and was I didn't it. think so either. I thought maybe that was Dustin Weaver. And the interior is beautiful, and so is the cover. The cover is amazing on this book. Yeah, I just, I, I just, just a beautiful book. I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying it. So there you go. So Aaron liked it. We have one thumbs up and two thumbs down. For three thumbs. For three thumbs. <laughs> Now, another book that came out this week, and it is a limited series, it's uh, The New Avengers Luke Cage, issue one of three. And I did not care for the cover of this book, uh, which features a shot-up Luke Cage, a little bit of Spider-Man, a little bit of Ronan. Um, And when I read the first page of it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this, because the first page is super hyper-stylized. And then when I got to the top panel of the second page, which has an over-the-head kind of view of uh, Spider-Man swinging out of the way, that's when the art won me over for this book. Really dug it from there on. This story tells – it's an homage or return to Luke Cage's roots back in the 70s when he was the hero for hire. And turns out that uh, a kid that he had helped out back in those days decided to kind of pick up where Luke Cage left off and become his own hero for hire business. But of course he has no superpowers and winds up uh, getting put in, into the hospital in intensive care, practically in a coma, by Hammerhead, the uh, flat-topped uh, supervillain. And the story kind of goes on from there, and it was all right. It felt like... Uh, Filler. It didn't feel like it was really telling anything of a major story. Um, am I the only one that read this one? I think I am. Yeah, yep. sucker. Um, 
it's not an awful story. And some of the artwork, I mean, some of the artwork on these pages is just really very, you know, high energy uh, and, 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 you know, serves the story well. It's just there's not much of a story there. You know? So speaking of Avengers, did everyone see they've announced two of the secret Avengers now? Yeah, I saw that Beast is going to be there, and I like the artwork for it. Beast and uh, War Machine. And mm-hmm. to be honest, they weren't playing fair with us with those silhouettes. I went back and I looked at the silhouette of uh, of War Machine, and it's missing the big freaking gun on his shoulder that would have given away his War Machine. Yeah. On Beast, it's missing all of the uh, all the extra fur that they have drawn on this one. Right. So. Keep that in mind if you're trying to guess what the what the other silhouettes are, is that they're not playing fair. Do we know who the artist is that's assigned to uh, Secret Avenger? Mike Diodato. Okay. From uh, Dark Avengers. Yeah, okay. Because the artwork on Beast I really like. The new costume's interesting, too. The armbands with the A on it. Yeah, I like it. And I've always liked Beast as an Avenger. I've always, I've always liked him more as an Avenger than an X-Man. Well, actually, speaking of which, since we're comp- – even though it's kind of off topic, maybe I should wait till we talk about X Men. Nah, screw it, I'll talk about it. Did anybody <laughs> see the X Men teaser art this week? Um, we are the X Men. Uh, apparently, I don't. They don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. We'll find out uh, during C two E two, which is next weekend. Um, the first two members of a new X Men team have been announced, uh, and it's Psylocke and uh, Spider Man. Yeah, I didn't know like way. Yeah. Come <laughs> on. They're shown ripping through the cover of X-Men number one. <laughs> oh, God. I'm hoping it's going to be like an X-Men team-up book or something, and they're just Spider-Man on an X-Men team while he's on Avengers teams, or Spider-Man on an X-Men team at all is just a stupid idea. Well, he's not a mutant. No, he's not. Maybe he can be on a team with uh, Cloak and Dagger since they're not mutants either, but they were X-Men for, you know, a day. A day. Yeah. So I, I forget. New Avengers Luke Cage? Worth it? Not worth it? Uh, you, know, you know, uh, it's three ninety nine, which is, uh, you know, I require a lot more for my three ninety nine books than I require for my two ninety nine books, so I won't be picking up number two. You know, and and you know, it's funny. It's it's it was just a kind of a meh kind of book. wasn't awful, wasn't great. Um, I don't see a reason for the story. I don't particularly. I could have seen this as like a uh, filler issue in uh, an Avengers, you know, just regular Avengers story. I don't see the reason for the miniseries. And you know, the thing is, is I think Luke Cage is somebody who could who could carry his own book. Uh, I really like the character. I love what Bendis did with him and uh, Jessica Jones in both the Alias and Pulse books. Um, I love what, what's happening with them in the Avengers. I think those two could carry a book on their own. Um, I, this book wasn't it, though. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Me too. But sticking with the street-level characters, Vengeance of the Moon Knight came out this week. Uh, issue number seven. All right. Uh, let me start by saying that this be- this book is uh, beautiful. Yes, it is. That cover is outstanding. Oh, I love the cover. That is the comic book cover that I look for. Yeah, I, I picked it up and I was like, "Wow, that's really nice." I mean, that 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 is that is a hang it on your wall quality. That is a that is a good cover. And and the inside artwork is uh, is also very very good. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, this was the first of three books I read this week that had Deadpool in them. <laughs> <laughs> out of the out of the five total books that I got this week. And uh, it was okay. 
the the story the story was just like eh, yeah you know, whatever Deadpool depicted you know obviously much much different than uh, than other books I've read him in uh, less uh, less over the top I thought in this book. Well, I think if they had gone as over the top with Deadpool as they typically do, you know, it wouldn't have worked in the context of the series. Yeah, I um, think it. I think it says that uh, Deadpool should always be over the top, and he shouldn't be in a book like this. <laughs> I don't know. I think it worked. I think it worked. You know, I, I you know, because you know, when you see an over the top Deadpool, like I, um, I've been reading some of the Deadpool trades, and there's one where he decides he wants to become a pirate, and he makes his best friend dress up as a parrot. Hey, that was time. a good. That was a good uh, storyline. Story yeah, it arc. was, but it wouldn't fit in Moon Knight. So I think it's interesting to see how other people perceive Deadpool. Uh, I actually, I, I enjoyed the issue. I mean, I've been enjoying the series, so it's no surprise. Um, I, 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 I dug it. I, I love good issue. I love the line, you know, where uh, it's after Moon Knight and Deadpool first, you know, exchange blows. And Deadpool says, uh, "Well, you had you had the upper hand. I was busy not taking you seriously. What with your white pajamas and all, that <laughs> just cr- cracked me up." And then you know, now, um, but now that it's on, nothing will distract me. Nothing. And the elevator door opens, and you know, there's the uh, hot nurse, you know, hot woman dressed up as a nurse, big boobs, you know, short skirt, and he's like, "Well, I stand corrected." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the way Deadpool was handled in, in this issue. I really enjoyed uh, – this. I thought this was a nice change of pace from the earlier books You know that were just so very dark, uh, uh, just so very grim. We didn't get to see uh, any of uh, – of, uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, – Gonshu. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we didn't see any of that, um, which was nice. I, I, I liked the break from that. Um, I'm, I'm – I, I was kind of amused at at how you know Mark Spector gets woken up with the PowerPoint projector just you know popping up over the head of his bed. Hey, you know, here's something going on over here, and and, and immediately zooms in on the pizza. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question though. Um, when he leaves his uh, his Moon Knight lair, um, he is flying on top of something. What is flying. that? On top of yeah, something. he's he's on some kind of it, oh, it's, remember it's in the, the last issue, he has like a glider. Oh, okay, so it, it is a glider because it looked like it's got like a little, it looked like there's a little uh, cockpit in there, and I'm like, is he on the top of his aircraft? But the scale's not right. I couldn't figure out what the hell that was. You know, they don't really give you a good look at it. He borrowed it's, it from the Green Goblin. Well, See, I was, I was, I was gonna say it was the carpet from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I dug this book. I thought this was good. Yeah. And it's nice to see that they can do something a little bit different. Well, sticking with the good, I read uh, The Flash Secret Files and Origins 2010 this week, um, which it's written by Jeff Johns and has art by Scott Collins, uh, who did the the Blackest Night, the Flash series, right. and Francis Manupol, who um, did Adventure Comics and is going to be the artist on the ongoing Flash series. And, and, it's, uh, and it's important to note that uh, you know the Scott Collins Jeff Johns team up on Blackest Night Flash was one of the strongest things to come out of Blackest Night. Oh, absolutely! Um, this is my book of the week, hands down, my book of the week. Uh, I, I thought this was fantastic. Um, I thought it was better than every issue of Flash Rebirth put together. If I could erase Flash Rebirth from my memory and just read this instead, I would be very happy. 
<laughs> it, it, it's, it's a perfect setup for the series. Um, so, I mean, I, I highly recommend picking it up if you're planning on picking up Flash number one. Is it? I mean, it's not necessarily throwaway material. I think you can pick up issue one and be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a good story. Um, and it, it has, uh, like, the first half. It's a full-size comic book. The first half is, you know, a full-size comic book. And then the last half is kind of like the, um, you know, the, the descriptions of each character that are that's going to be in the book. Kind of like like a secret files, um, you know, and those are you know again feature art by Francis Manupol and Scott Collins. So you get introduced to the city and the supporting cast, and you get all sorts of hints at upcoming storylines. And uh, I, you know, again, it was all written by Jeff Johns, and it's just such a big difference from what we got in Flash Rebirth. Uh, I, I loved this book, and again, highly recommend it. And it was so good that it was sold out in multiple shops that I went looking for it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it was sold out around here too. Not that I was looking for it, but I heard from the local comic guys that it was sold out. So y- you liked it? I, I really liked it. And again, if you're picking up Flash number one, I would recommend picking it up. I don't think you'll need it, but it, you know, it, it's it's just good Flash storytelling, um, like we didn't get in Rebirth. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, better than Flash Rebirth. Was Wayne's experience reading <laughs> Nemesis the Imposters? <laughs> That's right. You know, what was not sold out? <laughs> yeah, what was not sold out was the second week of the wrong Nemesis. And <laughs> I am really enjoying this miniseries. I have no idea who this character is, but I'm reading through, and apparently it's one of Wonder Woman's ex boyfriends. The guy sees right through Dick Grayson and knows that he's not the original Batman because he's apparently interacted with Batman. He can tell the fighting style is different. Um, the guy outsmarts Dick Grayson a couple times. And it's just this is I still have no idea what's going on in this book, but it's oh, a no fun way. thrill ride. I know who I, Nemesis is because I used to read Wonder Woman um, when Alan Heinberg was writing it. And so I, 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 now that you mentioned that he was Wonder Woman's ex-boyfriend, I know who that guy is. I'm still not going to buy the series, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently at some point he went crazy and got overly paranoid. And this is that overly paranoid character that's actually right in this case. There are imposters. The guy that showed up as Joker wasn't really Joker. And then Dick Grayson shows up as Batman. And naturally he's thinking, well, this has to be tied together. That's not really Batman. I have no idea what's going on, but this is a really fun read. Once it comes out in trade, if they don't, you know, if they don't screw up the ending, I'll recommend the trade. Wayne, they'll screw up the ending. They usually do. Well, I'm talking about another screwed up book. Paul read Batman and Robin number 11 this week. We are just kings of the transitions this week. It's like, bam, bam, bam. Well, and you know what? Batman was in Nemesis the Imposters. You know, that, that would have been a good transition as well. I preferred the screwed up, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, so Batman and Robin number 11 came out this week with a shitty cover. Um, It's probably the worst cover on the series so far. And it's so funny because the cover gives away very much, um, I guess, what they're – I mean, maybe it's intentional. It's essentially the same cover as issue one, except instead of Batman standing there, you get um, the British detective Oberon Sexton, who's kind of been a, a major player in the series um, standing next to Robin, and right next to them, it says, The Return of Bruce Wayne Begins Here, kind of heavily hinting that this character may actually be Bruce Wayne in disguise. Um, and it's actually even discussed in the issue that he may be Bruce Wayne. I hate to say this. I really, really liked this issue. 
I know. It's shocking, isn't it? But you know what? I liked the last issue, too. Um, and I think it may be because uh, Grant Morrison has teamed up with a great artist. Andy Clark is really fantastic. So I think he gets across <laughs> – I think he's a better storyteller than maybe Morrison is. So maybe he gets the point across more than some of the artists did. But you know, it looks like they. Th- this is going to be heavily tied into the return of Bruce Wayne. I don't know if this character is Bruce Wayne. It seems a little too obvious if he is. But, uh, you know, we're still in this issue. They're still searching under Wayne Manor for hints as to where Bruce Wayne is. Because, obviously, since he's lost in time, he's changing the past, which is altering the the present. And he's leaving clues as to where he might be under Wayne Manor. And while all this is happening, uh, they're also under attack. Um, from some bad guys and uh again i I really actually enjoyed the issue i know that's shocking you know i uh i guess it only took 10 issues for me to get a good issue out of uh batman and robin (laughs) only Only 10 only 10 only took how many uh, nine only took 27 bucks of wasted money to like (laughs) three bucks that was worth it is that a 2.99 book it's a 2.99 okay Maybe what that tells me is maybe I shouldn't have given up JSA All-Stars this week. Maybe I should have given it 10 issues to get good. But I'm not going to. Another book that had a rough start was Red Robin. I mean, the first couple of issues of Red Robin were pretty much balls. But now it's actually really good. Uh, Issue 11 came out this week of that series, and I really dug that one, too. I was kind of meh about it. There were things I liked about it, but overall, I didn't. When I was done reading it, I didn't feel excited. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's not a fantastic issue, but I think it's a good issue. I, I like the storyline, which is basically uh, Ra's al Ghul is getting revenge on Tim Drake for Tim Drake basically crippled his organization. Um, so basically, Ra's al Ghul is killing everyone that's in Batman's phone book, um, all his ex-girlfriends, his family, things like that. And um, I, I mean, it not it, this was kind of like the middle of a storyline, so it's mostly just action rather than progressing the story. But I thought it was a good issue, and I think Tim read it too. Yeah, and I Marcus to art was was pretty awesome. I, I actually liked it. I I picked it up based off the cover, um, and I really I really dug it. And I only got three books this week, and I hate to say this, but I think this was my book of the week. <laughs> You hate to say that. <laughs> I hate to say that. Because every time I, apparently now I say that, that means the book sucks. So, <laughs> but I really liked it. I, li- I liked uh, I liked the interaction between Red Robin and Damien Robin, and I like that I was by like- far my favorite thing about the book was the two of them interacting. Damien doing his normal "I'm a snot nosed little punk. I'm going to attack people," and Red Robin just putting him on the ground in the course of you know half a second. Yeah, their, their interaction in this book is great. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I'd like to see more of that uh, done as well as it is in this book. More of Damien getting crushed by people that are way out of his league? I'd like to well, see you know, that, too. I'd like to see some villains do that. <laughs> Can I put a vote I, in to kill Robin? Yeah, well, Absolutely. You know Even Batgirl in this issue was, was kind of decent, too. So that was a pleasant surprise. You know, they are really driving home this Tim's thought process that Stephanie has gotten better since he's been gone. Seriously, how long did she train with Bruce? And that doesn't impress him. But training with Barbara in the Batcave, she's getting that much better that quicker. I don't buy that. And I like the character. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was very happy because I I bought this book and I was like, son of a bitch. 
I forgot we're still in the Batgirl crossover. I have to buy another issue of Batgirl, and that pissed me off. <laughs> and then I realized, no, wait, I don't have to, because he basically tells Batgirl to F off. You know, he says, I've got my own thing to do. And so I guess that crossover, I thought it was a four-issue crossover. It appears to only be those two issues from last month. No, I don't think it's over at all. I mean, especially after that, uh, after she overheard Tam saying that she was engaged to Tim Wayne. The crossover but, is not over. But do you think that's going to continue in Batgirl or in Red Robin? I think that ba- I think the Batgirl crossover will continue in Batgirl and possibly back in Red Robin. But uh, I guess I'll glance at the issue on the on the stands. I, I couldn't tell because the solicits don't say that it's still uh, the Batgirl and Red Robin crossover uh, for the next issue of Batgirl. So I guess I'll find out. Uh... <laughs> so uh, last week you guys were pretty jazzed about Second Coming. Yes, well, I'm always jazzed about a Second Coming. <laughs> um, Are we talking about Buffy now? <laughs> not yet so uh uncanny x-men number 523 which everyone but me i think read uh what'd you guys think of it i think that you're a loser for not getting this book aaron because it was awesome oh come on be fair jonathan that's not the only reason you think i'm a loser he makes a good point <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right you got me there but this was my book of the week this book was fantastic. There's so much going on here. Uh, this is the this is the way a crossover should be done. Siege, what? This is, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it it seemed like from from chapter one to chapter two, they're keeping the story very tight and coherent. It's not different people seeing the same things, but those things being slightly different because you know the people can't talk to each other over in the Marvel offices. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jonathan, speaking of chapter, I really like that. The idea that if you have a couple books coming out in the course of the same month as a crossover, actually having that on there to know what order to read them in. Because Blackest, uh, yeah, Blackest Night had a problem with that, where you'd pick up yeah. one book and you'd find something that happens in the other book you had that month. So I yeah. really like having the chapter right there on the cover. Yeah, you know, I, I, that was something that they used to do in the Superman books is that they mm-hmm. had the kind yeah. of the, the order number. I mean, just in, because you had the Superman weeklies and they it still would give do you it in Superman. Actually. Oh, do they? It tells yeah. you how long it's been because of the, the new Krypton stuff They you know to help you read it in order. Yeah. It, it would have made sense to have it on Blackest Night. Yeah, I agree. But I, I just uh, I, I really enjoyed how much was going on in the book, actually, like because – Comic books are so short these days that they can really only focus on one thing. But this, this I thought had three things going on and pulled it off very well. You know, you had a lot of scenes with uh, Cable and Hope. Uh, you know, then you had the the X Men uh, finally finding out about X Force. Nightcrawler confronts uh, Scott about it, and then you also had uh, the New Mutants setting up for a secret mission, which is where Chapter Three will be in New Mutants number twelve. And this issue is also where they revealed those uh, I Am a Secret Avengers pictures too. Those were in the ads. Well, they they did that in all the Marvel books this week. But you know, yeah. and none of the Marvel books that I had, they, they only they only revealed Beast. They didn't reveal uh, War Machine in the books that I read. That's because you only read the bad books. Then this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. 
So well, was I the only? As much as I love this issue, was I the only one that thought that Hope was a little more scatterbrained than we've seen her lately in a few spots? What do you mean? Well, I mean, usually she's completely she knows everything that's going on, and she's like a mini cable sometimes, and she's finding herself easily distracted by a world that's not destroyed. Maybe that's completely in character, but you know, having not read the whole run of Cable, it's she just seems a little more scattered, a little more. She doesn't isn't catching on to everything that's going on around her and jumping up and down on the bed didn't seem like something that this character would do from the last couple issues of Cable. Well, you know, I think that's a product of being in, like you said, a world that's not destroyed and all the, sh- all the stuff that's, you know, I mean, she, she's in a supermarket, you know, she's never been in a supermarket and she's seeing hair products that she's never seen before, you know, those kinds of things. I, I think it's just a new world. So I kind of took that as a product of where she is. Yeah, because you notice as soon as as soon as the fighting gets started, she's she's back in her element. She knows exactly what to do. But you know, being able to sleep on an actual bed and stuff like that, I think is uh, is new to her. And having to do do her hair, which I, she, tur- I, uh, she turns into a complete hottie. <laughs> I was about to say she's turning into a little cutie. And uh, you know, Terry Dodson, uh, good job, good job on the art, Terry Dodson. Yeah, <laughs> no, the issue is written by Matt Fraction. I, I'm not surprised at how good it was. You know, we get we finally get a confrontation between one of the other X Men and Scott Summers on the formation of X Force. And I don't I, think that's well, over at all. I think we'll see a lot more of that conversation, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and Tim read this one too, right? Yep, I have I I, I have one complaint. Okay. My complaint is because it seems like these things are transitioning so smoothly, I'm going to have to actually pick up a new Mutants book, which is going to hurt. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah, I agree with that. And pick up, no, no, you guys are completely wrong. New Mutants 1 to 11 have been just gravy. All right? Okay, hold on, hold on. But, but what is New Mutants 1 to 11? Oh, okay, it's New Mutants 12. I was making sure it wasn't like New Mutants 14 or something. Like, new no. Mutants. Other than those the, the whole the whole series the whole series, uh, Zeb Wells uh, Zeb Wells didn't write the last issue, but he did the first ten, and they were fantastic. Just really good stuff. He really he didn't throw away fans of the old series. He, you know, you get to see Doug come back through that series. Uh, it's just wonderful. <laughs> see, so, I'm a little torn on how they're doing the uh, the crossover because, like he's mentioning. He doesn't read New Mutants. I don't read New Mutants. I'm just coming back to X-Men. It would be nice to have a core crossover that you're reading and not do all the all the parts, but because they're doing it this way, you can't do that, which I'm fine with. I'm, I'm really enjoying the story. I'm going to follow it through, and it's going to be my way to see what's going on in New Mutants and see what's going on in X-Force because I haven't given them a chance lately. Look, if, if, I, if I can pick up Avengers The Initiative because of the tie-ins, then you can pick up New Mutants, okay? <laughs> Well, but you didn't have is, to do that to get the story. That was extra, you know, side parts of the story. This, in this case, it's numbered chapters as you go through. And I would say it's doing it better in that yeah. in that respect. I would venture. You know, I do like the cohesive storyline. But again, you know, thinking about it, the New Mutants haven't been involved, so I'm not entirely sure. You know what they're tying. Yeah, you know? it could be what very likely that-, that you flip through that that new mutants book and it's 23 pages of them hitting this compound and like two pages of the regular x-men and oh. cable you know, I, i'm sorry i did forget they were at the compound that's my fault 
Yeah, we we talk about they they haven't been involved. The new mutants have been. I know in in Croatia the new mutants were involved with that. I mean, loosely. Let's not even go into Necrotia. Necrotia is a bad memory. That that crossover for the new mutants was all about bringing Cipher back in back into the fold. (laughs) Like Aquaman. Yes. No, not like Aquaman. (laughs) No. All right. Doug Ramsey is 100 times the character that Aquaman ever was. And uh, d- does Doug Ramsey have a trident for a hand? No. Does he have a hard water hand? No. Arthur Curry beats Doug Ramsey hands down. Except oh, I don't like, think he has those hands anymore either, so they're both without hand. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Doug, Doug Ramsey can do exactly what Aquaman can do. I mean, he, Aquaman talks to talks to animals, and Doug Ramsey understands all languages. What's up? So Doug Ramsey can be useless unless the adventure's in water. <laughs> no, see, and Doug Ramsey is use is useful even when the adventure's on land or in the water, anywhere in space. Doug Ramsey's the man. Well, my my point was there's a whole bunch of these books that I wouldn't normally get if I thought they were compartmentalizing much like they did Siege, but it looks like they're not doing that. So ah, uh, there's only four X books. You get you guys can handle it. Yeah, and yeah, like, like I said, in my case, are not necessarily vital to the storyline. Well, I said in my case, this is my way to see what's going on in the other books. So I'm not minding it here, but I understand what Tim's saying. I can easily see people minding it that are coming back into X Men like. Well, like I am, but I, I want to see what's going on in the other books because I've been really impressed by what's happened in Cable and what's happening here in X-Men. Well, you know what? Then they can wait until the Spider-Man X-Men book comes out. Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, but you know what? Uh, kind of tied into the the current storyline, uh, Second Coming, um, but more of a prequel, even a prequel to Messiah Complex, which is the, the storyline that got all of this started, that Second Coming is com- is finishing, um, is Deadpool Cable number 25, which is actually Cable number 25. Um, I know there was some confusion about that, um, but the, it, it's, a, it's a prequel to Messiah Complex, and it tells the story of how Cable and Deadpool work together to save hope from the nursery um, that leads into Messiah Complex. And um, it, it's very much a Deadpool-heavy book, um, so very different than what we've been getting in Cable's issue 1 through 24. Uh, and I know I read it, and I know uh, Wayne and Jonathan read it. What do you guys think? I enjoyed this, and I'm, I've read it before reading Messiah Complex. So I have Messiah Complex sitting in, in the living room on a trade paperback. Actually, it's a hardcover. Ready to go, ready to read this week. So I'm actually getting this before that. I don't know if that will make any difference at all to reading it. But I like Deadpool in the book. He isn't too over the top, but he is funny. I like, you know, I just like seeing how Cable got hope because I had no idea. Yeah, and I, – I, Again, um, a lot of questions aren't answered in this one um, that I think are answered in Messiah Complex and storylines after. Um, so it, it, it really is almost like almost like it came out before, and, and you know, th- then you have to read the storylines after. But I, I thought it was really well done. I, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was funny, which is what I'm not used to finding in a cable book. Um, you know, and the art is by Paco Medina, who typically does the art for the Deadpool book. So it was, uh, you know, the visual tie-in there. 
Yeah, we got to see Deadpool actually doing something really intelligent, wearing the dead body of something he killed just to get the Sentinel's attention. Now, I've got a question here, because I did not know that this was Cable 25. Um, what, uh, What issue is Deadpool up to? Deadpool is up to issue 22, I think. I wonder if I wonder if they're going to skip uh, twenty five for Deadpool and just have. Well, you know, Deadpool Cable had a team up book before this Cable series started. Um, you know, but I think it actually went past issue twenty five. Yeah, I mean, I think to fifty issues, because if you look at the very back of this, they have the Cable and Deadpool fifty with crossed out with fifty one. And that series, I, you know, I haven't read it, but I've heard very good things about the Deadpool Cable series. I know a lot of people really liked it, and there was an issue twenty-five of that. So this is, re- but and Cable, the last issue that came out was twenty-four. So this really serves almost like this serves as a, a final issue for the Cable series, but again, kind of a prequel as well. And uh, I, I like the ending of the book, where, uh, you know, it because that there was. I guess not an official ending for Deadpool Cable. Um, and so I like at the end of the book where they kind of part ways and Deadpool starts complaining. He says, imagine a world without a single Deadpool comic on the stands. <laughs> he said, there should be three or four Deadpool monthlies with miniseries and variant covers. <laughs> there should be a whole Deadpool corpse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, and, you know, Deadpool makes an appearance over in uh, World War Hulks this week as well. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, World War Hulks is kind of a complete misnomer, I guess. You know, this book was doesn't feel like the start of the crossover that I expected. This book sucked. Yeah. Yeah, this book sucked hard. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I picked it up because you guys have been saying so many nice things about uh, you know the fall of the Hulks and whatnot. And you know, bear in mind I've been out since uh, well, I think I read Fall of the Hulks Alpha or something. But this book was awful. I really didn't like anything about this book. You know, I. Oh, go ahead, Jonathan. Uh, all right, uh, with one notable exception, which is uh, Necrotia number one. Uh, I really hate these books with the various stories compiled. Yeah, the short stories. I hate them. God, I hate books like this because the art's all different, the writing styles all all different. Like you don't, you can't get into a rhythm with a book like this. Yeah, you know, the only story in here, and you know, like Jonathan said, you know, this is a collection of short stories by different writers, different artists, and the only story in here that I cared for was the one featuring uh, uh, Bucky Cap. And you know, it's probably because I had just finished reading a trade paperback with with Bucky Cap, and you know, so it kind of fed into that. And it was it was it was a it was an okay story, it wasn't an important story, it wasn't anything I couldn't have lived without seeing. But uh, you know, the rest of this I just really really disliked. Um, the art on the Glenn Talbot uh, Betty Ross story Ram with uh, Scott Reed writing and uh, Allure Amancio. Uh, doing doing the, the the pencils was just terrible. I agree. I just I, and it, it was just very jarring, and it's in dead center of the book, so it's what you flip to when you first open up the book, and I, I think that is poorly placed. I honestly, you know, I, I enjoyed the hell out of Fall of the Hulks. I'm actually looking forward to World War Hulks. This 
totally was an unnecessary book. Yeah. I really thought this would pick up after the events of the finale of Fall of the Hulks. Yeah. I thought we'd, you know, get a, you know, a, a, an extra size introduction to World War Hulks because there isn't a World War Hulks miniseries. Yeah. It actually is just like Fall of the Hulks. It goes through Hulk and Incredible Hulk for the next couple of months. I wish that I had flipped through it uh, before I picked it up. You know, yeah, I, I, because if I had done that, I never would have picked it up. Yeah, yeah, and I and I agree. And I I I found one one story in here that I liked, but the one I actually liked was the Doc Sampson story. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that one was kind of interesting, an interesting look into um, maybe why he's on the intelligentsia side, but mm-hmm. I agree. I had been sweet talked into trying to <laughs> check this out by, by Paul. And uh, this was a, this was just pretty bad. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Cause you know what? This is not the book I thought it was either. Well, uh, yeah, it really th- wasn't. This book had the audacity to not be what we expected. And, you know, my expectation as a reader going into it is I see world war hulks. I see number one, I figure that this is the book that's going to kick off this big event called world war Hul- hulks. And it's not. I mean, it really doesn't do anything to to prepare you for World War Hulks or, or frame up that story. It's more of a short story bridge uh, from Fall of the Hulks to World War Hulks, but it's something that you could have completely eliminated. You know, I mean, I, I think it might have been better to call it, you know, the World War Hulks zero issue, you know, and not call it a number one. Yeah, the only yeah. real the only real important thing is uh, is that. Hulkpool is going to go back in time and kill himself, <laughs> which will be co- which will be continued in Smashed in uh, Hulked Out Heroes number one, <laughs> which I'm actually really looking forward to. To be honest with you, <laughs> I am, I am, because it's written by Jeff Parker. Wow. It has art by Humberto Ramos. I'm actually looking forward to Hulked Out Heroes. You know, hearing uh, you say that, I'm not so surprised that you enjoyed Batman and Robin this week. <laughs> See, and, and let me tell you how they have worked against themselves because now I'm back out of the Hulk again. You know, I mean, I, I ventured in. I put my toe in the water and, you know, uh, the water's not too cold. It's just too shitty. Aaron, and, uh, no, Aaron <laughs> I, I, would say, I would say that it's never a good idea to put your toe in the water in a one shot. You definitely want to. I would I would recommend picking up well screw Incredible Hulk because that book's crap but I would definitely pick up Hulk because Red Hulk <laughs> I would say the other way around but you know here's here's my complaint Jonathan is that it doesn't say one shot on the cover it says World War Hulks number one yeah, there's nothing I thought on this was that, a, that gives I thought you, this was the beginning of a tra- of a crossover that's what yeah, I was expecting the same I, thing. I didn't pick it up because I wasn't interested yeah. in the crossover but. I very much was expecting it to be like X Men Second Coming one yeah. That kind of style instead of these minis, and I agree. If they would have listed it zero, I wouldn't have felt as duped. Yeah, I'd have thumbed through it. If I'd seen a zero on there, if I'd seen one shot or something like that, I would have known. Okay, I need to look through this a little bit to see if I if I want it. But uh, you know, I I even managed to discount the crappy John Romita Jr. cover because yeah. yet in his uh you know unbroken string now of i think about six different comic book covers that have sucked ass again we get another terrible cover from from uh from JR and i mean it is awful he draws better than this i don't know what's going on yeah well and you know as soon as i open the book you know fall of the hulks and world war hulks have been orchestrated by jeff loeb greg pock and jeff parker and when I saw that most of the stories in this book weren't written by any of them, I was like, what is this? Yeah. 
You know, um, it was absolutely the wrong way to start this storyline, uh, this crossover. They, they shouldn't have done it. They should have done it like maybe the third or fourth month in as these little tie-in stories. I agree. Um, but this was not the way to start the storyline. Boo on you, Marvel. Yeah. Boo on you. Because Marvel pissed us off so much, though. Um, <laughs> well, not because Marvel pissed us off so much. But, you know, some of us look elsewhere to see if we can find some good funny books other than the big two. And, well, listen, uh, to, listen to Paul trying to sound all superior and, and uh, <laughs> oh, I've got I've got independent taste. Look at me, I'm all indie spotlight man. Yeah, other I than Crow Magnum Aaron. Hold on, hold on, just one second. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So this brings us to our indie spotlight, and you know what? Um, after our our first real indie spotlight, you know, when we called it indie spotlight last week. Um, I was like, oh, man, we're getting great feedback on Indie Spotlight. When in reality, it was just Jake Ekus saying he liked the Indie Spotlight. But you know what? <laughs> Jake Ekus, if you want an Indie Spotlight, God damn it, you'll get an Indie Spotlight. <laughs> Even if half the books aren't actually indie books. <laughs> yeah, no joke. But you know what? They're not from the big two. Um, but before we get started with our Indie Spotlight, um, we're going to put out a warning to our fellow podcasters because we're going to talk about Invincible Returns. Uh, that Wayne and I read this week, and I know uh, Tim and Aaron. Well, Aaron, you're kind of screwed anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Tim, I know you're just starting to read Invincible, so if you want to take your headset off, we'll let you know when the. Just keep an eye on your computer, and we'll let you know when the conversation's over. Sweet bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> Are you yeah. hanging out, Aaron? I might as well, because you know I have to edit the damn thing. So, <laughs> y'all go ahead and just ruin Christmas for me. <laughs> Okay, Invincible Returns number one came out, or not, I say number one, it's a one-shot, came out this week. I uh, wish they when, would just put one-shot instead of number one for one-shots. That's a personal pet peeve of mine. Well, let's just be honest. This is essentially the next issue of Invincible. It's yeah. not even that special. It's just an extra talky issue that helps you catch up on the storylines, but not even that well. Um, it comes under a crappy David Finch cover. Uh, I guess there are some characters that David Finch just shouldn't be drawing. <laughs> Invincible's one of them. Um, I don't know about you, Wayne. I hated this book. Oh wow, wow! I no, wasn't I expecting en- that. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it was exactly what I was expecting. It could have been the next issue if it were half the size. This is all about showing the scenes, the big scenes that really shocked us the first time we saw them, and getting readers basically up to speed so they can move on. You know, I didn't hate it. It was. It wasn't a spectacular book or anything, but it would have been a good solid next issue if you took out all the, you know, all the stuff for new readers. See, and I disagree. I I, I absolutely hated this book. Uh, this book actually made me angry. Um, and, and you know, I'll, I'll explain my point a little bit. Um, this is the spoiler material. Uh, Invincible has been kind of killy lately. Um, he, he killed. He's been killing some baddies, uh, rather than trying to take you know the high moral ground or, right. or actually trying to stop them without hurting anybody. He'll just punch a hole in their face. Um, so he, he's been he's been killing a couple of bad guys lately, taking the easy way out. And uh, basically, they're starting. You know, some of his, uh, you know, some of the like the people in the Pentagon, Cecil, uh, who's his government liaison. Uh, has been kind of is kind of giving him a guilt trip about it, and he's like, you know what? You're right. I have been a little killy lately. Um, I'm going to stop killing people. And then, like, 
he tries to kill someone again. And then he's like, oh, wait, I shouldn't have done that. I think my costume is making me kill people. So his tailor gives him back his old costume, and he's like, fantastic. I'm not going to kill anybody anymore. I don't feel like I'm going to kill people. And then in the next scene – that's not actually being fair with what happened. He didn't – he never thought the costume was making him kill people. He thought just being in costume and and doing it was – He said this costume is cursed. He does say this costume is cursed because he was thinking all the bad things that happened in it. But it's his tailor that tells him he just needs a new costume or an old costume in this case. Okay. Okay. But then he comes back and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to kill anymore. And then the next scene, his dad shows up and he goes, you know what? Me and my dad are working on a way to wipe out the rest of the Viltramite race. I'm like, well, if you're going to wipe out an entire race, that's killing them. And then he goes, you know what? I don't know if I should go because I'm afraid of what I might become. I'm like, didn't you just say you were done killing people? What are you afraid of? It, see, it just – I it like that. Like, Normally you see either either people kill or they don't kill. They make that choice and they start killing. You never see that that moral you know, arguing with yourself about do I do this or not. And we're actually seeing that on Vincible. He decides he's not going to kill and then he has a problem not killing and now he just – He's conflicted. I like that confliction. I don't I want it, it was to be just a clear too cut. bipolar for me. I'm like, change your mind four times in one issue. I, I just it, it bugged me. I, I felt it, it was a little bipolar. I felt it was whiny. See, and that's what I like is because he is struggling with this. You don't ever see this kind of story in a comic book where someone really is having that. They don't know what to do. They're confused. He's conflicted. Yeah, he's flip flopping left and right. And that's that's one of the things we're really liking about it is it's not a choice that you just make and have him have made it. It's a serious, you know, it's a serious life changing choice that it's going to take a while for him to make up his mind which way he's going to fall. Yeah, I just I felt maybe the I don't know maybe it, the issue just felt out of place because it's obviously the the first story before the big Viltrumite war, and I, I was like, well. You know, why are we going through this right before he's going to try to wipe out an entire race of people? Shouldn't he feel the guilt after? Uh, it, it, and I guess they're trying to get new readers in, um, you know, by putting out this one shot. But again, I felt the one shot was kind of unnecessary. Um, I felt it wasn't even that new reader friendly, to be honest with you, because rather than, you know, having like a brief recap or something like that, you just get an extra, extra talky issue where they describe what happened, um, which I, I felt was probably not the best way to do it. But I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I just I really hated this book. I, well, I, I'm if sorry you look- to say that. If you look back at their last jump on issue, it was, I want to say around, it was a number zero or something around 20. That's all it was, was it was a big talky issue. And that's what brought me into the book. As I'm reading, it's like, wow, this isn't what I'm used to. Because I didn't jump on at one. I went back and got the trades to catch me up. I jumped on in the 20s. Just because they did something exactly like this to give you a jump on point. Now, I don't know if this is as good of a jump on point as that one was. Because that one was all about the... uh, Basically, does he tell his girlfriend at the time that he's invincible or not? But yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I, I I'll be honest with you. I I did hate this issue of Invincible. Um, and uh, so, you know, if, I'm kind of looking. If, I'm looking ahead. for a prediction from you here, Paul. And this will be the first major spoiler thing. We've actually stayed away from the big spoiler ones. 
do you think when he returns from back from space after the Viltrumite War, do you think the baby will be waiting for him, or do you think he'll show up and she'll be, you know, in mid labor or mid basically have the big stomach? I don't think the baby will be born yet, or she'll have an abortion and he'll find out after. I'm curious if it's actually his or not, or if she created this when she fixed herself without meaning to, because that That's was all point. not conscious. It was all, you know, in her yeah. mind. So very curious, very curious. But you know, I, I will pick up the next issue of Invincible because it's the Viltrumite War. Um, but every once in a while, Invincible kind of pisses me off because they go a couple of issues that nothing happens, um, and then I drop out and then I go back in. But because the Viltrumite War is the next issue, I am going to stick with it and see how it goes. I just, I really didn't like Invincible Returns. Yeah, I mentioned I, earlier that a lot of my books were just kind of meh books. And this was one of my meh books. I didn't hate it at all. It would have been a normal, it would have been a solid issue if it just didn't have all of the stuff to bring new readers in. Yeah. Well, you know, he, Kirkman had two books come out this week. He had Astounding Wolfman as well. Um, how was that one? It is thankfully about to end. <laughs> I I enjoyed I know you guys really hated Wolfman from the beginning, but I enjoyed it through clear up into the teens. Yeah, the I mean last... no, I did like Wolfman. I liked it until the prison storyline, I think. Well, I, I exactly. didn't prison. I didn't like it from the free comic book day issue. I mean that's where I decided, ooh, I'm not picking this book up. I <laughs> I really liked it all the way through until Actually, till right then as well, Paul, till the prison break. And this last couple arcs just have not been good. This issue, they do the something t- Kirkman does very well, and they shock you with a major character death right there, last page. Who died? So, the uh, the butler that's been there the whole time and has been raising his daughter while he was in prison. Oh, his no, head just got sliced off. A the werewolf. vampire? No, a werewolf. Stupid werewolves. Stupid werewolves. Stupid astounding werewolf man. <laughs> it's it's all leading up to a you know to the last of the storyline and the last of the series. A big confrontation, I'm sure, between the all the werewolves because there's an army of them now, and the one vampire. But I don't know. I'll be glad to see it end. I enjoyed it in the beginning. I've kept going because I enjoyed it in the beginning, and I've seen before titles go through a couple of bad arcs and get better, but. I, I think yeah. it's time to end this one. Well, you know, a Wolfman is one that I picked up at the beginning, and then I dropped it, and then I picked it up again, and then I dropped it. And when it's all done, I'll probably pick up whatever arcs I missed in trade. Um, but you know, the, I think the last issue I bought was, you know, they had broken out of prison, and he had joined up trying to go undercover with some group, but then he like fought some giant monster who was destroying a bridge. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This issue makes no sense. And um, so I, I just – and I think the problem is, you know, I, I think Astounding Wolfman, sometime during the course of the book, it just shifted gears um, yeah. trying to build towards this conclusion rather than a natural progression. And uh, it, it just felt forced, and it, it, it honestly it sucked. So I, I just it got, it. it got too big too quick. Yeah. Well, you know um, – Next on our indie spotlight is The Boys, which is Garth Ennis' book at Dynamite Entertainment. And uh, Wayne, you're the only one reading it. I did start reading that series um, when it was at Wildstorm. Yep, started uh, off in Wildstorm. But I never picked it up when it switched over to Dynamite. 
it got better when it switched over to Dynamite. Basically, Wildstorm didn't let them do some of the things that they wanted to do. But Wildstorm was still fairly open with what they could do. I mean, the book even back then was shocking. <laughs> but Wildstorm just at some point must have realized we can't have a book like this lampooning the entire superhero genre. Or they were afraid of, I don't know, but once it moved over to Dynamite, they seemed to have a lot more freedom to do what they want. Yeah, and, and Jim they got a promotion. Booyah. Yeah. <laughs> I have really enjoyed the entire run except for a one storyline, and that was back in the teens. Um, from what I understand, this is a limited series book, even though it is up to issue 41. I believe they're only going <laughs> to issue 60. Yeah, I think that, I think sometime in the 60s is where the ending is planned. Kind of like Hitman and um, Preacher. And Why the Last Man. And Why the Last Man. Yeah, I kind of like that concept. I like the... This is a one big story. It is going to end, so you don't get too tied down in years and years and years of this stuff. But that it's not like a four-issue miniseries or a 12-issue. You get a little more story out of it than that. I absolutely agree with you. I love that format where you've got kind of an extended run, but it's not an infinite run. Yeah. Uh, and it, allow, it, it allows you to do a lot of things. It allows you the one creator to work on a series. You know, and and you know, beginning, middle, and end, and it also allows you know someone who's collecting to to really bookend their their collection. Uh, so I, I think it works on both sides. You know, and it's not just something we're seeing in comic books; we're seeing it on TV shows. I mean, right. you know, I, I think the the big series that probably started it was something like Babylon Five, where it was a planned kind oh, of. Oh, I see. I don't buy into that. Uh, really? Yeah, J. Uh, Michael Straczynski would have continued on with that if he'd have found a network to continue paying his bills. That's a good point. I, I think that's a bunch of I think that's a bunch of JMS bullshit. Is what that <laughs> is. <laughs> and I say but, that having watched The Gathering just last night. <laughs> I, I just you know I, I like knowing that something may be set up in issue one that's not going to be resolved until issue sixty, but it will be resolved. You know. Yeah. And, and along the, those lines, Paul, you know, British television is really good about that. Of oh, having yeah, absolutely. A, a finite period of, of, of series. And I know Jonathan has bitched about this over on Kicked in the Dice Bags before, but American television will run it in the ground, you know. But so I really do like being able to see in an American comic book that will say that, that the creators will say, you know, we're going to run this for 40, 60 or 70 issues and call it done. I loved that. You know, and we talked about this with in our Marv Wolfman interview uh, at the end of last year that, you know, he knew going in that they had, you know, maybe 20 issues left in Tomb of Dracula. And so they were able to they had they were given room to wrap up everything that they were working on, you mm-hmm. know, with their original creative team or I, even bone. Bone, yeah, you know, it, it was always planned. You know, you can tell when something's planned because you get a natural story progression. That's right. You know, and a perfect example of that right now is the unwritten over at Vertigo. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it, you're going to see it more in a Vertigo image independent book than you're going to see it in a regular DCU Marvel U title. Absolutely. Uh, so because- you know what's not natural. My wife just knocked on the door, and I had to mute the mic for a minute. And she comes in, and she goes, we've been Jehovah's Witnessed. And they talked about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> and what did I, they say? <laughs> indie Comic Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I am holding a couple of Jehovah's Witness pamphlets that, they, that she said they dropped off, and there's artwork in them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is it written by Garth Ennis? No, no, it's not. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it doesn't say fuck, have the blood or the nudity either. 
They're Oni Press. They're Kevin Smith books. <laughs> <laughs> so the boys number forty one, good. Yeah, I must say I've enjoyed every issue of this title except for one story arc when they went to Russia, and this one is still basically they are building up to something big. They do a lot of build up to big things, but when they do. The issues actually are ongoing storylines. You've got a lot of subplots going, and there may not be action in a, for four or five issues, actual fighting, but there's always something going on. Like in this this case, a tracheotomy. You don't see that. You don't see that in every book. <laughs> and uh, is, do they collect the boys in trade? Yes. Since it's printed with dynamite. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, maybe something I'll swing by and pick up then. I highly recommend it. Like, so there's only one story arc I didn't like of this. I mean, it's probably a title that's not for everyone because there is a lot of cussing. There is nudity. It is an adult title. And if you, uh, if all you want out of superheroes is the shining paragon that is something like Superman, you're not going to find that in this book. This is, I think, the first issue where we really start to see a group that's not somehow, you know, somehow a really flawed group of bad people as superheroes yeah <laughs> this group you have a flawed group of mentally handicapped people that really want to do good <laughs> uh well i picked up turf number one this week uh issue I, one of five i have not heard of turf it, it's written by jonathan ross uh, with art by tommy lee edwards uh, apparently jonathan ross is some hollywood guy um i honestly don't know who he is um but Turf, uh, it, it's from Image Comics, and uh, it took – this is the book it took me – considering how talky Invincible Returns was, this book took me longer than any other book this week to read, and it's two ninety nine. It took me almost an hour to read this comic book. It's a, it's, it's a very intricate, talky comic book. There's a lot going on, and it's 1920s-era Prohibition gangsters – or Prohibition-era gangsters – with vampires, fighting vampires, who are trying to move in on their territory. Um, and it's extremely well-written. It's extremely interesting. I really like where it's going. and <laughs> But it'll throw you for a loop because, you know, of course you're dealing with prohibition-era gangsters. You're dealing with vampires, so you've accepted that. And then you turn the page, and it says, Outer Space. Space cargo runner Zillum, a Category 5 transport ship, fully armed, fully fueled, 12 miles above Earth. Apparently, aliens are involved in the storyline as well. So, gangsters, vampires, and aliens. Um, you know, the, the aliens haven't played too much of a piece into the storyline yet, other than a couple of pages in the first issue. Um, but I really enjoyed it. The alien thing caught me for a loop, but I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to pull, in, uh, pull into the storyline. But um, the art by Tommy Lee Edwards, it's you know, it's very grim and gritty if you're familiar with his artwork. Um, but I enjoyed it. I actually really recommend it. And for $2.99, it's worth picking up that first issue. I don't think you want anybody over. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> but I do recommend it. Um, I, I, w- I would definitely pick it up. But if you know, if you're not into gangsters or vampires or aliens, well, if you're not into vampires, you definitely don't want to pick up Buffy. Oh, that's true. If you're not into gangsters or aliens, you still have an all-sex issue of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that you can pick up. I don't think I have ever seen this in a comic book before. I mean, 
there's a lot of jokes about it being an all sex issue, but yeah, eighty to ni- probably ninety percent of it are either Buffy and Angel having sex, flying around having sex because they have incredible new superpowers now, or people watching them on radar and zooming in on satellites and seeing them have sex and talk about them have sex. That's all this book is. This is one giant sex issue. That's I it. Totally should have picked up that book. <laughs> <laughs> A sex at super speed, sex while flying, sex in the water. Oh, they're boiling water with their speed. They crash through a mountain. They're in outer space, sex in outer space. They're having sex so fast they're traveling through time. What the hell? Who wrote that issue? Brad Meltzer. Huh. Yeah, Brad Meltzer. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it it does sound – I didn't read the book, but it sounds a little reminiscent of the episode where Spike and Buffy – are having sex and they're going through walls and crashing through furniture and, and, and but that wasn't the whole episode should have been <laughs> <laughs> i hated that storyline by the way the spike buffy sex storyline i liked the storyline I, I i hated the episode where they were crashing through walls and whatnot and you know i i even uh read an interview with michelle geller sarah michelle geller who uh said that she hated shooting that stuff that she just felt abused <laughs> after uh after the end of, the, of shooting those episodes and you know what else bugs me this is a dark horse book so it doesn't have nudity in it so it's which an is entire- unfortunate an entire yeah. <laughs> issue of sex scenes where they every scene have to find some way to cover the naughty bits so you can't actually see them. Yeah. I mean, that's easy enough to do in one scene, two scenes, but the whole freaking book. Yeah. Here's a tree branch here. Here's a monkey here. <laughs> <laughs> see, you know, you invite the monkey in. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and they spend a lot of time on the details. I mean, they they keep talking about all the various kinky things they can do because they can fly. And, you know, they do mention having a second coming. Oh, God. You know, it, uh, it, they actually use those words at one point in here. It's like, I don't know. I've I enjoyed the beginning of Buffy season eight. It had parts of it where it's kind of struggled. This issue was just gratuitous, though. I, I'm going to be on board for the end of it to see how they end the storyline, but this was gratuitous. <laughs> well, you know, and gratuitous doesn't – I mean, seriously, gratuitous doesn't bother me, but when your format doesn't allow you to, to indeed be gratuitous, you know, to – I mean, if you're going to have an all-sex issue, you need to be showing naughty bits. You know, you, you need to show, show, show the business. And since you're, you're, you're printing in a format that doesn't allow that, you know, because, you know, Dark Horse isn't printing, uh, you know, X-rated books, uh, why do it? You know, the, maybe there's a better way to tell your story. They do, however, realize that if you're screaming in space, nobody will hear it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that train wreck done, this yeah. concludes our indie spotlight this week. <laughs> And I still say there is no way that Buffy could ever be considered indie. I would argue Dark Horse wouldn't be indie, but definitely no intellectual property can ever be considered indie unless it's the actual – the person that owns the intellectual property writing it. When you say intellectual property, you're saying that – because Joss Whedon Whedon owns Buffy. Yeah, if he were to put out a Buffy book – You would call that independent? You could – yes. Okay. Because because he's hired Brad Meltzer to write that story – Exactly. You don't consider it independent. 
He's not at all independent. He is writing for somebody who is paying him to do it, and they have the ability to edit and change the work he is releasing. He is in no way independent from the machine. (laughs) (laughs) The machine. In future indie spotlights, we'll clarify a little bit more between, you know, what's pseudo-indie, like Dark Horse or IDW, and what is actually independent, which is more like Turf or... uh, Actually, one of the books that I'll talk about in our trade paperback spotlight. I picked up four trades this week. Uh, yeah. I mean, apparently we all got rich because <laughs> we spent because we bought two less three dollar books this week. We all got rich and started picking up trades. Well, actually, I didn't buy any. What I did was now that I've moved, I went out and got a library card again. And here, I'm sure that a lot of libraries are like this. You can go onto their website. You can do searches. So I sat down after last week's episode. I went to their website. I did all these searches and i had basically i picked from all the libraries in the area and went to my library and picked up nine x-men trade paperbacks that were just waiting for me hardbacks trade paperbacks no money needed you just check them out and read them love the library yeah awesome well well, i hit the half price bookstore you know that sells used books and picked up two trades there which was uh the ultimates three which i had read like an issue or two out of but i hadn't read the whole thing and I also picked up uh, the Marvel premiere edition of The Death of Captain America, The Burden of Dreams, featuring Bucky Cap. Um, Ultimates 3 was pretty much what I thought it was. Uh, crap. Yeah. Um, and, and crap in a couple of different levels. Um, there are some big problems in the way the story is told. Um you don't surprise your reader with uh, the who the killer is by not actually having introduced the killer earlier in the story. <laughs> you know, the, the the trick on a mystery is to give your reader all the clues so that so that they have a snowball's chance of figuring it out without going, oh, here here's the here's the killer. You never saw him before, so you know that's a that was kind of a, a crap way to handle the mystery. And as much as I love uh, Joey Mad's artwork. He is unsuited to the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. Um, the the pages that work are the the pages with Thor and Valkyrie because I mean his art is really well suited for a, a fantasy type of setting. But when you get into you know the grittiness of Captain America and Hawkeye, just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. I mean not his his pages are beautiful, just doesn't match the story at all. So that was Ultimates three. Death of Captain America: Burden of Dreams uh, by Ed Bru Ed, by Ed Brubaker was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. You know, I'm, 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 I did not read the death of Captain America stories after Captain America was shot, knowing that I'd pick them up in trade. And so this is kind of my picking them up in trade bit right now. Uh, where this story was just great. I I'm looking forward to picking up the rest and I'm going to stop before Captain America comes back to life. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good idea. I read uh, I read most of those as trades as well. Basically, I got in right around the time he died, not too long after that. Yeah. And then I went back and picked up trades to lead me up to that point. And like Winter Soldier and those kinds of yeah, stories? Yeah, picked all those up, read those all through trades. And Brubaker stuff around that time was really good. Yeah, fantastic. I just, I just hate that I'm not enjoying the title anymore. Yeah. 
Well, I picked up two other books that I haven't read yet, but uh, in keeping with your indie spotlight, I picked up the trades for Invincible number ten, uh, the tenth trade paperback and the eleventh trade paperback. Zeus Comics is having a big fifty percent off of of uh, toys. Uh, back issues and graphic novels. Uh, so I, I picked up those two things. And that sale continues through the week. So if you're in the Dallas area, uh, you've got until, I think, uh, this coming Friday to uh, get in on that sale. Oh, I better leave now. Yeah, hustle it up. Hustle it up. <laughs> what storylines were in the 10th and 11th trades? I haven't read them yet, so I couldn't tell you. It's. Ah. Um, I actually have the 10th and 11th trades because that's when I dropped out of the book. <laughs> that doesn't um, bode well for me, does it? <laughs> no, no, because they are good. Uh, issues 48 through 59, which are – that's screwed. It's not that great. <laughs> uh, these are the issues uh, mostly when you know dealing with Invincible and Adam Eve um, and their relationship. It, it, there's some good stuff in there, uh, including you know with the stuff with Invincible's dad and Alan the Alien. I was wondering if it leads up to the big shocking scene that I haven't been able to talk to Aaron about, the one that actually left me floored when I originally read it. And I know Paul will know exactly which scene I'm talking about. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, when I'm done with 10 and 11, we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. And this also was the time for the crossover with the Wolfman, in, in case that kind of times it for you, cool. Wayne. Okay. And you managed not to ruin my day with your your invincible spotlight today, so I was all prepared to hate both of you, and now I'm right now I just dislike you intensely. So, not that. <laughs> so, and and somebody tell Tim he can put his headset back on. <laughs> we did. I heard him a couple minutes ago. No, no, to transition he, us out of the indie spotlight. Yeah, well, he took his headset off again the minute we started talking about ten and eleven. So. Oh. But yeah, those were my four trades this week, and I'll ha- I'll have more to report later. All right, so. Let's see. Wayne, you read some trades this week as well. You, you, no. Nope. From the lot. I, I picked them all up, but I haven't actually read any of them yet. Oh, well, I so have, you can't contribute to this conversation. Yeah. No. Nope. Take your headset off. <laughs> all I can contribute is you know, get a library card if you don't have it. In most places, it's free because I have waiting for me X-Men versus Apocalypse, Volume 1 and 2, Messiah Complex, uh, and basically every trade from Messiah Complex up till now of X-Men. So wow. that's uh, that's a lot of – it's nine trades that I have ready and waiting. And some of them aren't even trades. It's the huge hardbacks that are the equivalent of like four or five trades. Well, Aaron will expect all those book reports so he can put them up on Ideology. That's right. Written yes, exactly. Get you, can write, uh, uh, you can write relapse since Jonathan's not. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have – I have, however, when I tuned out, read through some of this uh, Jehovah's Witness stuff sitting on my desk. Would you like a book report of that? <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Wayne, we're running long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now so I read a couple. Of, yeah, I read a. Uh, you know, I've read an ass load of trades in this um, this last little bit, um, but luckily, uh, th- four main things I want to talk about. I read the first three trades of the current Deadpool arc. Um, Written by Daniel Way. I picked these up when I was down in Florida um, when we recorded our Daniel Way interview. And um, the series started with Secret Invasion. It's kind of funny. The first two trades are Secret Invasion, and the second trade is called Dark Rain. Um, and the, then the, the third trade, which just came out recently, is Deadpool trying to join the X Men. This is when he's decided he wants to be a hero. Um, you know, I, I picked these up based on the strength of those Hit Monkey issues that Daniel Way wrote. Um, and it turns out the series really has been that good all along. It's actually really funny. Um, I, I, it's got some 
hilarious scenes, lots of action, lots of fun, um, and I, I highly recommend them. Uh, you can get the first two in regular trade paperback, and the third one is only available in hardback. Or you can wait about a week, and we'll be giving away the first three trades signed by Daniel Way. Woo! Here on the show. Not live. I mean, Woo. we'll announce the contest officially. Yeah. Woo! Woo. Uh, they, could, they could be live. I'll take them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only available if you can call in now. Um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> uh, I also picked up uh, – I've also read um, all five trade paperbacks of Scott Pilgrim um, by Brian Lee O'Malley. The, the movie's coming out this summer. Uh, so I read all five of those. I'm pissed off because it's, uh, the sixth trade doesn't come out until the summer, I think July, which ends the storyline. Now, is that actually released in floppies or does it actually come out in trade as first run? I don't know. I um, have only seen it in trade. I've never seen it. Okay, a floppy so maybe before. it's only in trade. I mean, maybe it's just manga. It's yeah. manga sized trades. Um, but you know what? I have loved it. Really loved it. There have been some weak points in the storyline. I would say specifically, probably the third book was, I think, the weakest of the bunch for me. Um, but I, I have really loved it. It's gotten better with every volume, and I, you know, I think one of the reasons I really like it is because you do see characters progress and grow, and relationships change, and people break up and start dating new people. And I, I've, I really love the characters in this book. I'm really looking forward to the movie because of the book, and I'm sure the movie won't do the book justice. You know, that's Definitely the funny thing is up. you. You say it's gotten better with each trade, and in my opinion, the first one was the best by far. I really, still... I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. But, you know, it, it's it's definitely not for everyone. If you're looking for a serious romance, you're not going to get it. You'll, might, you might get it a little bit in that first trade, but you're right. It does get a little bit sillier as the story goes on. Um, you get a lot of more video game type antics as the storyline goes on. But I, I, really, I really do love it. I also picked up Kick-Ass. Which uh, the movie comes out, I think, next week. I, I really didn't like it. Huh. <laughs> uh, and no, and I, I know I, I harped a little bit about Mark Miller when Nemesis Number One came out, so I won't harp too much on him again. Um, I felt Kickass insults its audience. You know, it, it, it insults the people who read comic books. Well, the same, and at the same time, it, the storyline I felt um, doesn't give you anyone to root for. It, the, the characters' motivations aren't anything that I'm really interested in. You know, people become superheroes just because they think. It would be cool or just because they want to be popular, not because they want to actually do good things. Uh, it makes them unsympathetic. Um, the John Romita Jr. art's great, but at the same time, I, I just think this is I, – I really didn't enjoy it. Did the trade um, have the entire story in it or just uh, part of it? Yeah, all eight issues. Okay. Uh, was so it really only eight? It seemed like it was longer. Well, because it took so damn long to come out. That's um, which definitely I guess true. Is not a fault from John Romita Jr. because he's always timely. I think it's more of a fault of Mark Miller dealing with Hollywood stuff. But um, I, I can't recommend Kick Ass. I really didn't enjoy it. And see, you're definitely right. It does insult the the reader some, but I had no problem with that. I kind of I liked the way it was going about it. I didn't I didn't mind at all that it doesn't have altruistic characters, people being superheroes because they want to help people. It was just a different kind of story. I, you know, I on the other hand really enjoyed Kickass when I read it. See, there you go. So Wayne has shitty taste in comic books. Well, we we knew that. It says the man who enjoyed Batman and Robin number eleven this week. <laughs> says the man who keeps buying Batgirl. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I dropped JSA All Stars this week. Doesn't that count for something? No, actually, uh, Paul's uh, negative review has actually won me over to Kickass. I might have to pick it up now. 
<laughs> Jesus. Who woke anyway. up Jonathan? <laughs> yeah. One final thing I want to talk about. Uh, my favorite graphic novel um, during our Funny Book Awards of 2009 was Darwin Cook's adaptation of Richard Stark's Parker, uh, book one, The Hunter. Um, you know, a very noir, gritty storyline dealing with criminals, crime drama. Loved the book. Um, the second trade, uh, the second original graphic novel comes out this October called The Outfit. Um, however, if you can get on eBay, um, if you're impatient like me, um, there's actually a, a prequel to that book called The Man with the Getaway Face, which if you're familiar with the Stark books, um, the Parker books, this is the second book in the series, which Darwin Cook is essentially skipping to jump to the outfit. Um, but he still adapted the storyline, just much abbreviated. Um, you can get an oversized book. Um, you can get it on eBay. I don't know if you can get it anywhere else. Um, but uh, this is a prequel to the upcoming outfit book. And it's basically, you know, a, a, a heist uh, story. But uh, again, you know, film noir type stuff, very gritty crime drama. Absolutely loved it. Highly recommend it. And if you can wait, I think it'll be included in the outfit trade paperback. Um, but, you know, it won't be signed by Darwin Cook. So Very nice. I saw, I saw your picture of that, Paul. That was I, I was very envious of you. Plus, it is oversized, whereas the, the actual original graphic novels are smaller than comic size. This is actually bigger than a normal comic book. So you get to see the art, you know, in, in all its glory. Yeah. Well, well, on the website, right this very moment. What website is that, Aaron? Ideologyofmadness.com, Paul. What other website would I be talking about? Midgetsex.com. Oh, yeah, good point. I could have been talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> on Over on ideologyofmadness.com, we are giving away a great big huge chunk of Blackest Night books, complete with the free comic book day zero edition, issues one through eight of Blackest Night itself, and a godzillion other Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, and other Blackest Night tie-ins. So zip on over to the website. Uh, We'll have a link in the show notes. Go over there and enter to win. Uh, It's a a great big, huge chunk of Blackest Night books. Also, coming up this week, on Wednesday, we have our interview with writer-artist Dan Jurgens. I'm pronouncing the name correctly. It'll be up on the website. Uh, Dan, Ooh, uh, tell him that I really enjoy his lotion. <laughs> you're a little, you're a little too late. We already did the interview. <laughs> But uh, Dan is currently responsible for Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold 31 comes out on Wednesday and will actually be his last issue on the run for a while. Uh, So we talk about that. We also talk about his work on uh, DC's Death of Superman back in the 90s. We talk about his work on, uh, what, Solar Man of the Atom. Is that correct? Uh, uh, He's got a a gigantic library of books that he has worked on uh, over almost 25 years of of comic book writing and drawing. So it's a terrific interview. We had a lot of fun with it. I think you'll enjoy it as well. I'm already seeing buzz about this interview just from posting – you know something on Twitter and something on Facebook about having done it. Yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what people think of it. And uh, so that that drops on Wednesday. So come and uh, visit that for our new comic book day interview. Coming up, we have a Deadpool giveaway, and we will have Choker number one um, giveaway signed by Ben Templesmith. 
um, coming up as well. So, you know, keep an eye out. We're giving away tons of free crap, um, but you could probably win. Oh God, I don't know. That's at least 30 books that you're giving away right now on ideologyofmadness.com. So keep an eye out. Well, thanks a bunch guys. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks everybody. I'll see ya. See ya. The end. Later. (laughs) Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.